Thank you guys so much for joining us on Rethinking the Bible. My name is Bradley Stubbs, and I'm absolutely thrilled to have you guys alongside us as we take this journey together. We're going to go through the major stories in the Bible and look at them in a 21st century mindset. We're going to say, how do the stories in the Bible that have been told for hundreds to thousands of years apply to our current situation here in America? You know, with all the new discoveries that have been made, all the new ideas, all the new belief systems that have emerged over the last several years, you know, the Bible has been challenged more and more and more. And a lot of even Christians look at the stories that are thousands of years old and say, it doesn't apply to us anymore. There's nothing I can learn from that. It doesn't speak to my culture. It doesn't speak to our time period. So I just kind of throw it out the window. But I want you guys to rethink the Bible. I want you guys to look at these stories that are thousands of years old and look at them, and, and I want to bring out some light and truth in these stories that still applies to our lives today and actually speaks directly into the culture and what's going on in our 21st century American world. And so we're going to go through, we're not going to go through every story or probably even every book. We're going to hit on the main ones, though, and especially the ones that come with a lot of um, pushback from society today. And so we have to start off with creation. And creation is, is probably one of the most talked about and debated issues in our world today. How did the world form? How do we get to how we got today? And why do we have the evil and the terribleness that we see around us? And so we look through in the Genesis account and we read in Genesis 1-1, we start off in the Bible and it says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now, that's a verse that most Christians are going to know, and even most non-Christians, we've heard that verse talked about. But when you think about that in depth, God created the heavens and the earth. If you're a Christian in the 21st century, you're standing behind the belief point that God is the one that created the heavens and the earth. It wasn't matter and energy itself. It wasn't an outside force. Uh, it wasn't something else. It was God himself that created this. Now, right there, you're going to get a lot of pushback from society with scientific theories like the Big Bang Theory and other theories that exclude God and say that matter and energy itself formed and expanded over time and created humans and the universe that we have today. So what's true? Do the scientific theories in the Bible align? Is there a big difference? And if so, which one's more believable? Which one is more reliable? Which one can I stand my ground on and put my faith in? And so this is where it gets really, really interesting. I want you guys to think about this. When we look at different theories, the Big Bang Theory is the most common one right now that we believe in the 21st century um, in the scientific realm. So it, when Christians are examining that theory in light of the Bible, we say, okay, which one's true? Are there gray areas? Do they align? Do they not? And I want you guys to think about this. The Bible tells us that God created the heaven the earth and everything within the earth in a span of six days. You know, we get this in Exodus 20, 11, and then re and rested on the seventh day. This is the basis for our work week, which is very interesting because even in, you know, non-Christian America, in a lot of sense, we still have this seven-day work week. And we most people try to take one day a week, typically at the end of the week, to rest. And so we actually kind of still model this even if we're not a Christian, we still model this mindset that was, that was talked about in Genesis and then really explained in Exodus. And so in contrast, the Big Bang model claims that the universe and the earth formed over billions of years. It wasn't a day of rest necessarily. You know, it's just a random 
you know, billions of years of expansion and, and, and molding together to form what we have today. So right there, there is a pretty big contrast in Genesis 1-1. When you look at God created the heavens and the earth, he created them in seven days compared to the Big Bang Theory. Now, a lot of people at this point will say, well, the seven days in the Bible, it may have been thousands of years. It says in the Bible, a day is into a thousand years in God's time. Maybe it was billions of years. But again, if you look back and how the rest of the Bible is structured, we'll get to later, in Exodus, they take this seven-day literal creation and it forms our basis of how we go about our weekly schedule. You know, it, we're taught in the Bible to take that last day to rest and reflect and to spend time with family and to spend time growing closer to God. So it's a hard push to say that that seven days is not a literal seven days because of how the rest of the Bible lines up and, and references back to this point. And so there's, there's, a, there's a point of debate there. And then Genesis tells us that God created the stars on the fourth day, three days after the earth was created. Now, in contrast, the Big Bang model claims that stars existed billions of years before the earth. So again, another pushback. And then the Bible also tells us that the earth was made from water. We can get this in 2 Peter 3, 5, Genesis 1, 2 through 9, and also Psalms 24, 2. But the standard secular model teaches that the earth began as a molten planet, which cooled over millions of years, and that the oceans were the result of asteroid or meteor, meteor impacts or from dissolution or comets, comets as they entered the earth's atmosphere. So those three things I want you guys to think about as we go through this study on creation that really separates the Bible from the Big Bang Theory. Now, we're going to go through some similarities here in a second, but they are two separate theories. So one has to be correct, one has to be wrong. Maybe the Big Bang Theory and uh, has some things correct about creation. Maybe they don't, but one is, 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 is going to have to be superior. So that's the first thing. A lot of Christians today will try to mold these two theories together and say both are correct. But there's so many stark differences in these theories that one really is going to have to reign superior. So if, if, we're going to, if we're going to say the Bible is superior, what is our basis of belief in that? And if you go through, and we're going to go through the Bible here in a second and explain this, but there's several scientific problems with the Big Bang Theory uh, outside of just what it says in the Bible. Now, there's several we can go over. We're not going to go through all those. You can look them up on your own time. Answers in Genesis is a great place to find some of these. Uh, there's also tons of Christian websites that are going to have this information on there. Um, but I'm just going to go through two really important ones that cause a problem with the Big Bang Theory. Number one is a monopole. And a lot of you guys that are listening to this are probably like, what the freak is a monopole? Uh, and I kind of thought the same thing. I'm like, what is that? Because I had to do my own research as well as I was examining these two theories to see which one really made more sense. And a monopole is a hypothetical massive particle that is just like a magnet, but with only one pole. So a monopole would have either a north pole or a south pole, but not both. Particle phys physics claim that the high temperature conditions of the Big Bang should have created magnetic monopoles, which makes sense because, again, the Big Bang Theory, if you sum it up, it's all the matter and energy that we have in our universe today. At one point, came together in a singular point, exploded, which created the highest temperature ever recorded, and then started expanding and creating and forming as uh, the universe went over time. And it took, according to the Big Bang Theory, billions of years to get to what we have today. And so it makes sense that a monopole 
which is like a magnet would come from this massive heap because if it's the hottest it's ever been, you would have these monopoles present. So since monopoles are, pre are predicted to be stable, they should have lasted to this day. They shouldn't have just dissipated or, or burned up. They should have lasted. Yet despite considerably searching from scientists, monopoles have still not been found to this day. The fact that we don't have any monopoles strongly suggests that the universe never really was that hot. Um, and this indicates that there never was a Big Bang, but the lack of monopoles is, is not problematic in the Bible's account of creation because the universe did not start off in extremely hot temperatures. So if you look in the biblical account, it doesn't talk about the universe being this, you know, massively hot um, substance when it started off and this Big Bang explosion happened. The Bible actually says this, and you go into verse 2, it says, The earth was without form and void. And darkness was over the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. That doesn't seem like a very hot environment. It actually seems totally opposite. You know, it almost seems cool and, and kind of eerie in a sense. You know, you think about this. The earth, when God originally created the heavens and earth, he spoke these things into existence out of his power and infinite uh, wisdom and knowledge. He made the heaven and the earth. But then when the earth, when you look at the earth originally, you know, this is where the Big Bang gets some similarities here because the, God doesn't say that the earth was formed and everything is how it was today. Things were created and expanded and God expands the waters and he starts forming over time to make it something more beautiful than what it was originally. But when the earth was originally formed here in the biblical account, it says it was void and darkness and there was waters. And so it wasn't a, this massively hot event. It wasn't this explosion that the Big Bang talks about. So this monopole issue, is, it, although it's an issue in the Big Bang theory, it's actually not really an issue in the Bible at all because it doesn't, it doesn't have that same viewpoint. Now, another big scientific problem is there's no population three stars. And now here's what I mean by that. The Big Bang model by itself can account for the existence of only three light, light test elements. Hydrogen, helium, and trace amounts of lithium. This leaves all the other naturally occurring elements unexplained. Since the conditions in the Big Bang model are not right to form these heavier elements, secular astronomers believe that stars have produced the remaining elements by nuclear fusion in their cores, which then distribute the heavier elements into space when they explode, which is how we get supernovas, or, 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 or talked about. Second and third generation stars are thus contaminated with smaller amounts of these heavier elements. So if this were true, if, this, if science could back this up in the Big Bang Theory, then the first stars would be comprised of only the three light test elements, and then some such stars still be around today since their lifespans are supposed to exceed 13.8 billion years. And that has elapsed since the Big Bang Theory. So such stars would be called population three stars, and science would agree with this. Amazingly, though, the population three stars have never been found in our universe anywhere. Anywhere. Not even one has been discovered. And all known stars have at least trace, some trace amounts of heavy elements in them. So again, we look at the Big Bang Theory, and scientifically, even it's by itself, doesn't really align with our current scientific knowledge and data. It doesn't really make sense. And it almost seems impossible how it was described. 
So then we look and we say, okay, well, look, let's look at the biblical account then. And we look at the biblical account, then we believe that God is over all matter, energy, and light. He holds all the elements himself, you know, and he's the one that starts creating and forming these things over time. And then we look at, so God is, uh, is above any of this and, the, and above the universe. Well, then logically it would make sense if God is above the universe and he holds all the power and all the knowledge and wisdom. Well, he could create these things over time and he could form these things. He doesn't need, you know, this and this to happen. He puts it forth into motion. And that's what I want you guys to think about. It's a, it takes a lot more faith to believe that matter and energy itself came together and started forming something greater than that what has ever been. You know, they came together and formed humans and life forms and creatures and animals that were far beyond anything that was ever imaginable in that time. It takes a lot less faith to believe that we have a powerful creator that's above everything that created humans and animals and beautiful things on this earth that were, that were wonderful. It was better than what was already there, but it wasn't greater than him. It wasn't, it wasn't greater than God himself who has always been here. And he had a hand and he put it forth into motion. He gave it purpose. He gave it life. He gave us purpose. He gave us life. Matter and energy itself doesn't give anything purpose. A creator of this above matter and energy gives life and purpose to, to, what's, to what we have here today. Now put matter and energy bring nothing positive to the world unless it's put into motion and formed into something beautiful by something above the matter and energy which is a creator. So again, it makes a lot of sense to say, well, maybe the biblical account is really the most accurate account when we get into creation. Um, it's interesting um, because the matter and energy, according to science, cannot be created or destroyed. And so it, they, they claim that it's just always been here. And we claim in the biblical account that God has always been here. But again, if you look through the scientific errors and look through logically, what makes more sense? That matter and energy just started making things better than themselves over time? Or a creator that was above the matter and energy started forming it into something better than what was already there? He took dust from the ground and he breathed his life into it. He took the matter and energy that was here. He took the matter and energy that was created, that was here, and breathed his life into it. And that's what gave it purpose. That's what put it into motion. That's what gave life. It makes a lot more sense to say that there was a God that was above all this. And so if we believe this and we say, okay, well, it makes more sense that God was the one that put this into motion. God's the one that put the universe into motion. Here's the second problem that you're going to hear from creation. Well, if that's the case and God's this all-powerful, loving God and he's the one that created these beautiful things and he created humans, and uh, then why is all this evil in the world? You know, if God's this perfect, holy God and this righteous God that never makes mistakes, then why do we have all this evil, terrible, horrible things that happen? Wars happen, rapes happen, uh, murders happen. Why does all this happen if we have a loving, caring God? And this is our second point into examining the biblical accounts in light of the 21st century. So we look at the second original point is, what was God's actual original plan for humanity? The world that we have today and that we're living in, was this God's original plan when he created the heavens and earth and started forming them? Or was it something vastly different? And let's look at Genesis chapter 1 again. But now we're going to go to verse 27 and 28. And it says, So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. 
Then God blessed them and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it, have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And God said, See, I have given you every herb that yields seed, which is on the face of the earth, and every tree whose fruit yields seed, to you shall it be for food. And then God goes on to say, Also to every beast of the earth, to every bird of the air, and to everything that creeps on the earth, in which there is life, I have given every green herb for food. And it was so. Now catch this. In verse 31 it says, Then God saw everything that he had made, and indeed it was very good. Not just decent, not just okay, but it was very good. So God's original plan for humanity was not to have murders and rapes and evil things happen and suffering and pain and death and disease. None of that's mentioned in the original plan in Genesis. What was mentioned, though, was that God put male and female into this garden after he made this perfect place where he had, they had all the fish of the sea, the birds of the sky, the animals, the herbs, the fruit of the trees, everything they could ever want in life. And then he put humans in that environment to flourish. And he, told, he tells them to be fruitful, multiply, enjoy what I've given you. And my plan for you is to live forever and, and have this wonderful relationship with you in the garden. My presence will be with you. And whatever you need, I'll provide for you. That was God's original plan was to just live with humanity that he created and just enjoy his creation. Enjoy us and us enjoy him. Man, that's beautiful. That is amazing. That is God's original plan. You know, we're created in his perfect image. And so without flaws, you know, his plan was for no sickness, disease or death to happen. He wanted to enjoy us in the garden. He created us for love and companionship. He wanted us to be in a relationship with him as we were his children, his beautiful and most prized creation. So this is important to understand that this is actually what God desired for eternity for humanity. It was the most beautiful, loving plan. It was a relationship. It was a companionship. And it was this awesome, awesome love that pursued in the garden. So what went wrong? It, we know that that's not how it is today. We know that humanity doesn't have this loving relationship with God. Or most humanity doesn't. Some people do, of course. But most humanity does not. And we don't have this love amongst each other. So what happened? What went wrong? Well, see, God didn't want to create robots that were just automatically formed to do whatever he says. You know, basically be slaves. So if God said, you know, do this for me or, or, or worship and bow down and praise me, then he would just, in a snap of the finger, just do it. That's not a relationship. Again, we go back to God's original plan for humanity was a relationship. He chose to love us and to be in relationship with us, and he wanted us to choose that same thing back. He wanted us to choose to be in relationship with him and to love and enjoy him. So if he created us just to automatically do everything he said, then there wouldn't really be that, that relationship aspect of it, us freely choosing him. So God gave him one command, just one, and said, don't eat from this one tree. You can have everything else I've given you, but just don't eat from this one tree. Everything else is fine. And he knew if humans could obey him, and, and they, he gave them that free choice to, to choose to not obey him and to eat from the tree or to choose to follow his commands, he knew if they chose to follow him, then this relationship was going to work. You know, they were going to choose him, he was going to choose us, and we could live in harmony and peace forever in this perfect place he created for us. But he wanted us to choose him as well. That was the whole part about relationship and companionship. So that's why 
And God gave us that one command. But as most of you guys probably know, uh, humans pretty stubborn. Uh, I know myself included. I'm pretty stubborn at times. When someone says don't do something, I'm like, well, maybe I should try it. You know, maybe they're holding something back from me. Maybe God is is, is not wanting me to enjoy something that I actually should enjoy. And sure enough, that's exactly how uh, the serpent, which is Satan, starts tempting um, the first humans, Adam and Eve. So you look at Genesis 3 now, and I'm going to read you guys 1 through 7. It's pretty fascinating here. It says, Now the serpent was more cunning than any other beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Has God indeed said, You shall not eat of every tree of the garden? So right there, the devil says, You know, has God really told you that? Now she knows this. It's confirmed all throughout Scripture that the man and woman both understand this one command. Uh, God understands it. You know, he gave it to them. And so everybody's in agreement. You know, they shouldn't do this. And, and then Satan starts saying, well, maybe, maybe he didn't really mean it that way. Maybe that's not exactly what he said. Boy, how we can see that in our 21st century today. So many even pastors, religious leaders, you know, different cults and different groups that will come up and say, well, maybe the Bible didn't really mean that. I know it says not to have sex before marriage, but maybe that, that's not exactly what God meant back then. Maybe there's a deeper meaning underneath it, or maybe there's another meaning that's kind of crept in there that we just didn't recognize at first. And they start twisting God's words, start challenging what God said, and start trying to twist into something that they feel more comfortable with or that allows them to do the sinful acts that they, they know they shouldn't do. So this is what the Satan does to them too. And then uh, and the woman says to the serpent, we may, and so she confirms that we may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but the fruit that is a tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, you shall not eat of it, nor shall you touch it lest you die. So the woman even confirms that God told us if we do this, we're, not, we're going to break that relationship with him and, we're, and death will come into the world. So he tells us right there. So she knows that she confirms it. Then the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die for God knows in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Wow, what a lie. What a lie. The devil basically convinces her that if she eats from this tree, her and her husband, Adam, that they'll actually be like God, maybe even more powerful than God. And so he plants this lie into her mind and makes her start thinking that, wow, this would actually be better. You know, instead of just living in companionship with God and having, you know, all this fruit and all the animals and herbs and living in this perfect, beautiful place, instead of just having that, I could actually be more powerful than God and, and go even above this. Now, although this is not true, and God clearly tells her this, the devil starts planting this seed in her mind, saying that maybe that's why God's not wanting you to do this, because he's holding something back from you. And this is the exact lie that the devil uses today in our society, to say, oh, well, if you don't, you know, God put that in the Bible just so you, don't have, you, you can't enjoy the things of this world. He wants to hold you back. He wants to keep that for himself. You know, God doesn't want you to have sex before marriage because he doesn't want you to enjoy that. You know, he's holding you back from that, from that enjoyment and, and, and the happiness you'll get from that. And the reality is God's telling you that because he knows if you do that, it's going to harm you. It's going to cause scars and it's going to cause regret. It's going to cause shame that will hold with you. And he doesn't want that. He wants you to have peace and love and joy. That's why God instructed them that. He doesn't want them to eat from this tree because he wants them to be in a relationship with him. And he knows that they eat from this tree, they're going to die. And he doesn't want that. So it's not holding something back from them. It's actually protecting them. But the devil tries to, to, to turn, up, turn it on its head 
And then he says, so, so then it says in verse six, so when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and it was pleasant to the eyes, which man, we see things today that are pleasant to our eyes and we think, let's go do it, even though it may be bad. And a tree desirable to make one wise, she took up his fruit and ate. She also gave to her husband with her and he ate as well. Then the eyes of both of them were open and they knew that they were naked and they sewed thick leaves together and made themselves covering. This is pretty funny. In verse eight, it says, and they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And again, it goes with the cool of the day. It wasn't a hot earth back then. It was a cool earth. So again, this, this, this goes back to the whole point about the Big Bang Theory. It's, it's a lot different. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. It's kind of like when that parent comes back and you know you were out partying or doing something you weren't supposed to do that night. And that parent comes in and they're like, Bradley? And you're like, oh, shoot. You're like, ah, this is not going to go good. You, you get that gut feeling. You know that I'm about to be caught. I did something wrong, and I feel guilty, and I have that shame. Well, Adam and Eve, they felt that guiltiness and shame once they did this. They knew that, man, I've messed up. You know, I didn't become like God, and I, and, and I disobeyed God's commands, and now I'll hide myself. They sowed fig leaves to cover themselves, to cover their shame. And then when they heard God's voice, again, they hid. They were, they were frightened because they knew that they, me they messed up. And so although God didn't want this to happen, because he's a just God and he keeps his promises, sure enough, death came into the world. The presence of God then left the garden. And when the presence of God leaves a place, that place gets everything opposite of the presence of God. So with God, there was life. There was eternal life with humans in the garden. There was love and joy and companionship and peace. But when God's presence left them, hostility came in, death came in, disease, suffering, pain, anger, jealousy. All these things we see in our world today is what happened because God's presence left, because not because of God wanted the relationship broken, because we broke the relationship with him. We caused this in our sin and in our unrighteousness. And so then we get all these terrible things. And in the first account in Genesis, the first kids, uh, Cain and Abel, uh, uh, even the first uh, siblings, you have a murder situation that happens and uh, a pride and a sense of power and control. And I just, I want to be the one in charge. I want to be the one that takes over. Again, it goes back to this whole part about the tree. Adam and Eve, what did they want to do? They wanted to control, they wanted power. They wanted to be above God or just like God. They weren't satisfied, although that God gave them everything and blessed them and wanted to continue to bless them. They wanted to be like God and take over. Look at our world today. Countries try to take over other countries. Dictatorships happen. Oppression happens. Why? Because certain groups of people or certain people still desire to rule over others and are not content with just loving God and being in a relationship with God. They want to be like God or above God. They want all the power. They want all the control, all the fame. And what happens? People die. Disease happens. Oppression happens. Slavery happens. Horrible things happen because of our sinfulness and us going against God's original perfect plan for us. That's why we have the evil and, and, and the disease and the terribleness in our world today. But see, there's great hope back in this creation account. Because although that's what we chose, God, time and time again, as we're going to see throughout Scripture, gives the humans a second chance. He starts over with Noah and says, let's, let, let's try this again. Because although humans turned against me, I still love them. I still want to be with them. Let's try this again. 
again he fails. So then he goes through, okay, let's 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 put priests in place and let's do uh, sacrifices. And if they sacrifice to me, they'll be forgiven of their sins. But then humans kept sinning and turning against God and going their own way. Eventually, to the point where we get to the New Testament, where God says, you know what, this punishment that you deserve, death, this this eternal death you deserved, I'm going to send my perfect Son. He's the only one that's always obeyed me and always followed me to this earth to die on the cross and take that punishment from everybody. He's going to rise from the grave three days later. And if you put your faith and trust in him, what happens? God takes away that punishment and grants you eternal life. That one day when you die, you'll be in eternity with him in a place where there's what? No death, no pain, no suffering. It resembles the garden, God's original plan all along. You're back in this perfect place where there's peace, there's love, there's hope, there's communion with one another. You're celebrating, you're enjoying, and you spend forever enjoying God's presence and Him enjoying you in this perfect relationship. So that's the power and the love of God, that time and time again we've turned against Him, but He consistently chooses us. And if we just choose to put our faith in Him and to follow Him, to put our faith in the Bible and to believe Him over the lies of the world and the things the devil throws at us today, We'll have eternal life with him one day and be reunited in that garden-type atmosphere. There's no death, there's no pain, there's no suffering, and eternity with him. Woo! That gets you excited right there. That should get you pumped up. And so as we, as we go into our next study here, uh, next week we're going to talk about the flood and what is the implication of the flood in our 21st century. But again, thank you guys so much for joining us today. Please leave, your, leave comments, share, and we will see you guys next week. God bless you. Have a wonderful day. And let's start rethinking the Bible the way it should be.